you found this podcast probably because you know a little bit about our ministry called Time of Grace and our passion about connecting people to God through all kinds of media. Well, did you know that we do a lot more besides just television and podcasting? If you check out our website, timeofgrace.org, you're going to find tons of ways to learn about the good news of Jesus, from daily written devotions to daily video devotions, tons of podcasts, blogs, our Bible Basics series called Bible Breath, and books and books and resources and more resources to help you in your walk with God. So if you're interested in any of that, just go to timeofgrace.org. Lots of us over the past year have had some pretty low spiritual lows and some really amazing spiritual highs. But by God's grace and through the prayers and support of people like you, we are seeing people move from that kind of guilt and shame to the incredible grace and truth that are only found in Jesus' name. And our God isn't done just yet. Some incredible friends of Time of Grace have offered a really generous challenge grant to help people like you move closer than ever to Jesus. This $150,000 challenge grant makes your gift go twice as far this Christmas season. So thank you. Thank you for your gifts and for your prayers. They're impacting real lives and bringing the joy of the holiday season to more souls than you can imagine. When you give to our $150,000 challenge grant by December 31st, you'll receive an inspiring set of resources, a 2023 Seek God wall calendar featuring a powerful Bible passage and encouraging thought from Pastor Mike each month, and the best of 2022 DVD. This set is our way of thanking you for your gift to help Time of Grace finish the year in the best possible position to help more people in 2023 find everything they need in Jesus. Request yours when you give by calling 800-661-3311, visit timeofgrace.org, or write us at P.O. Box 301, Milwaukee, Wisconsin 53201. What did Jesus do? He got right in the middle of it. Right in the middle of people. Angry people and and greedy people, sinful people, prostitutes, tax collectors, religious hypocrites. Jesus was Emmanuel, God with us. He didn't keep his distance. He got right in the middle of it. know all of you or where you come from or where you've been, but I have a hunch, no matter how hard you try, no matter how intentionally you attempt to plan, Christmas just ends up being crazy. And I bet that's true in one of two ways. Christmas either ends up being crazy busy or Christmas ends up being crazy hard. If you're like me and God has blessed you with a lot of good things in your life, good family, good friends, a good job, a good church, then I don't know if there's any way to get around the fact that Christmas is just crazy busy. Right? If, if you're dating someone and you've fallen in love, they probably want to spend time with you. Hopefully. <laughs> they're probably going to want a gift and they're going to shop for you. You're going to wrap the gift. If, if you have good friends that God has put into your life, you know, they're going to want to hang out with you and someone's going to say, we should wear ugly Christmas sweaters. And you're going to have to do that. And, oh, we should all bring the secret Santa kind of thing. So you're going to have to think about that. If God's giving you a good job, there's going to be the holiday party and the dish to pass and the potluck and the sign-up genius. Like, the, the more good things God has given to you, 
the more extended family that you want to be with, the more grandparents that are still alive, grandkids that are still around, the more God has given you, the crazier Christmas gets. It's kind of the paradox of the season. Like the, the better you have it, the harder Christmas ends up being. Or maybe for you, Christmas isn't crazy busy. Maybe for you, Christmas is the other option, and it's just crazy hard. Maybe you've lived this, or maybe you know someone who has, that if you don't have all those good things, the holidays can be the hardest time of the year. And I was talking to a guy just the other day who's going through a separation right now. Like, all the Christmases of the past with the wife and the kids are on the tree. Uh-uh. I know someone who's, who's here tonight who's lost a spouse this year. And it's the first Christmas that's going to be so different from the decades previously. Uh, I know people who are battling addictions this year who aren't going to go to the holiday parties just because it's, it's too tempting when everyone else is throwing back a few drinks. I know and love many people who are watching right now from prison who aren't with a single family member or a single friend because of something they've done. If you battle anxiety and you're struggling with crowds, Christmas can be the hardest time of the year. If you battle depression, the, the darkness and the cold and the season can make it really difficult. It, it kind of struck me the other day that, you know, there's, there's two paths, but we all kind of end up in the same spot, that Christmas is just crazy. It's crazy busy, we're, we're rushed, we barely catch our breath, or, or it's crazy hard and we can't wait to flip the calendar and start a new year. But whatever one of those paths sounds most like your life, there's something really interesting about the Christmas story in the Bible that you should know. And if you're taking notes in your program, I'd love for you to write this down. When I reviewed the classic Christmas story in Luke chapter 2, I learned this, that the Bible's Christmas is more crazy than baby. The Bible's Christmas is more crazy than baby. That's true. If, if you would read the well-researched account from Dr. Luke, Luke 2, which we read all the time on Christmas, you would find out that there's a lot less baby than you would expect and a lot more crazy. Like when Luke dug in and did his thorough research and wrote this story that would be remembered for all of history, he wanted you and me to know that when Jesus came into this world, things were absolutely crazy. And today I want to tell that story to you in a fresh way. I want to try to prove to you that when Jesus came, when Christ came into our world, he came into the craziness. He did it back then. And the really, really good news is that he still does today. So if you have a Bible with you, Bible app, or you just want to follow along on the screen, we're going to jump in to the classic Christmas story, Luke chapter 2. And here's how it goes. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. Caesar Augustus, his actual name was Gaius Octavius, issued a decree. Uh, do you know another name for a decree? A mandate. <laughs> the Christmas story starts with a government mandate. Now, how many he people here love a good government mandate? <laughs> yes, ladies, <laughs> ladies, you might love a man and you might love a date. 
but nobody loves a mandate. <laughs> a mandate is essentially a command. It's a, a decree. It's an order. It's not, it's not a suggestion. It's not a think about it. It's you better do it or else. And Caesar Augustus, ruling from his throne in Rome, he issued an empire-wide decree that everyone had to be counted. Likely, he wanted to see how many people there were so he could tax them, so he could have enough soldiers so he could oversee and control them. It was a, a total power play to keep himself in control, and local leaders like Quirinius, the governor of Syria, made sure that everyone complied. Verse 4. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. Here's what we know about Joseph. He was poor. He was a carpenter. He was engaged. And suddenly he was about to be a stepfather. The Bible says that Joseph did not have much But he got engaged, hoping he could make enough to to pay for a wedding and to take care of Mary. Then an angel apparently came and said, Mary's going to be with child, so he's about to be the stepfather of a baby. And while he's processing this incredible news, guess what the local messenger says? Everyone has to go to their own town to register. There's no TurboTax in those days. Joseph does not own a stylish Chrysler Town & Country minivan like some very cool people in this church do. No, he has to go like 80 to 100 miles. That was the distance between Nazareth in Galilee to Bethlehem in Judea. Three to four marathons, no motor, no electricity, Middle Eastern heat. And oh yeah, his fiance is very pregnant. You ever seen a map of Israel before? The road up to Bethlehem, which was in the hill country of Judea, was an elevation climb of 4,000 feet. 4,000. That's double the height of Wisconsin's tallest mountain. And oh yeah, did I mention his fiance was very pregnant. (laughs) Joseph doesn't have money to begin with, then he gets engaged, then he's going to be a stepfather. Now he has to leave his carpentry shop up in Nazareth when he travels for what? One week? Two weeks? Maybe more? What was he thinking when the mandate came from Caesar Augustus? Just... The craziness. I mean, have you ever had to provide for someone before and you didn't know if you could? The the panic, the fear, the anxiety. What what if Mary delivers? Joseph's good with his hands, but he doesn't know how to deliver a baby. What, What if they can't find a place to stay? What if they can't make ends meet? And then the craziest part happens. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And Mary gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. From start to finish, Luke chapter 2, verses 1 to 7 is a tiny bit of the baby and a whole lot of crazy. And it's good that we tell the story that way, in my opinion. We have one of those nativity sets on top of the piano in our living room. And I was actually just looking at it before I came to church today. Do you, know what, do you know what we do in nativity sets? We make things less crazy. <laughs> My nativity set is this like perfect little wooden stable like you'd see at a, 
like a barn wedding or something, <laughs> just a little bit of moss. And I actually picked up all the little porcelain figurine pieces, and I found out that all the animals were smiling. <laughs> <laughs> like perfectly arranged, Jesus is sleeping in heavenly peace, Joseph's not sweating at all, Mary looks beautiful. <laughs> like, what? That is not at all the story how it happened. It was panic. It was fear. It was worry. It was stress. It was the, the craziest thing they had ever been through until Jesus. If you're taking notes, maybe we could say it this way. We've talked about a crazy Christmas before, but do you know what's right in the middle of a crazy Christmas? Christ. Jesus was born into the craziest world at the craziest time into the craziest circumstances because Jesus Christ is the kind of God who gets right in the middle of the crazy. And I don't know about you, but for me, for me, that's really good news. Because a couple weeks ago, over at a place called Soccer Heaven. Things got a little bit crazy, and I might have started it. Uh, here's my version of the now controversial events. My team is playing this other team. It's a good match, competitive middle-aged man. I get the ball. I'm one-on-one -on -one with another very competitive middle-aged guy. I'm pretty fast. He's pretty fast, but I shake him. Right? I get a step on him. I'm so close to the goal. I blast it. Goalie doesn't stand a chance. He doesn't even move. And I'm going back to celebrate until this defender turns to his goalie and explodes. Right? Screams at him. He's berating him publicly for not stopping the shot. And it, it caught me so off guard that I said something. I said something that a Christian should probably not say. I said, hey, no, no, no. Don't yell at him. That was your fault. You got to own that. I said, I just smoked you. <laughs> and I said this next. So be humble, bro. Why are you clapping at the pastor's sin, right? <laughs> now, for the record, for the record, saying be humble right after you say I smoked you is not, is not cool with Jesus. And as you, as you can imagine, what happened next, what happened next was not a scene from Paw Patrol. All right, things, things got crazy. This dude erupted. He, he came at me. I, I walked away. I went to the bench. Of course, we ended up on the field together. I shook him again. He tried to backhand me. I walked away. The game actually ended. I went in to shake his hand and say, hey, man, I'm, I'm sorry for getting fired up. He came back at me again, said that I was a chump, that he had been schooling me all night until one of my teammates got into it. Things got physical. Punches almost thrown. The owner of soccer heaven shows up. The ref is there. Grown men are getting walked to the parking lot. So please know you are welcome here. All right. We're, we're, <laughs> right. So, I mean, my conscience kicks in. And I apologize to the other team and I apologize to my team. I apologize to the owner of the place. Um, but I went home that night and I'm sitting in bed. And, and I can't fall asleep until, until two in the morning. Just thinking. Come on, Mike. 
You're a pastor. Everyone knows. You're a Christian. I smoked you, bro. <laughs> right? And, and it's kind of funny, but, it, but it's kind of not. Because people who follow Jesus are supposed to act a little bit like Jesus. Jesus was humble, and I was proud. Je- Jesus was patient, and I, I was not. And I know better, right? If you've come to this church for a while, you know this is not the first Pastor Mike did something stupid on the soccer field story, right? And it kind of hit me that the, the craziest part of my life is not the, the calendar, it's not the Christmas season. The, the craziest part of my life is actually here. That there are just some really simple things I know that I should do, but I don't. Or I know that I shouldn't do, but I do. How about you? Hey, you don't have to be a pastor. You don't even have to be a Christian to realize just how crazy it is that, that we humans have such a hard time doing the simplest things like loving people. Like not picking and choosing the people, just being good people to all people. I think that's what we all want. You know, but then he annoys us or she angers us or he rolls his eyes or she stomps her feet or, or she starts it or he, he begins it and, and our values and our principles, even our faith just seems to like push pause for a bit. It's the human struggle and you can only imagine how crazy it must seem like to God. That he gives us these simplest commands, just love me and, and love each other. But it's hard to go a season, it's hard to go a week, it's hard to go a day. That there's something crazy that exists within the human heart. And I think that's why I love Christmas. I think that's why I love the fact that Luke told me about Caesar Augustus, the government mandate, Quirinius, and no room in the inn. I love the fact that Jesus didn't just show up at a place that was neat and tidy and sanitary and predictable. He showed up in the craziest place because maybe, maybe, maybe that proves that he can show up in this place too. Jesus could have kept his distance. He could have looked down from heaven at this dumpster fire here on earth and stayed, but he did not. He could have picked a more peaceful place to be born instead of this squabbling feud between Jews and Romans, between tax collectors and Pharisees, but he did not. He could have kept his distance from complicated people like Mary with her dark past and Peter who was as arrogant as I am, but he did not. What did Jesus do? He got right in the middle of it. Right in the middle of people. Angry people and and greedy people, sinful people, prostitutes, tax collectors, religious hypocrites. Jesus was Emmanuel, God with us. He didn't keep his distance. He got right in the middle of it. I love the fact that Jesus was born into this crazy world because it was his first step to something even crazier. That Jesus Christ, born with flesh and blood, would later give his flesh on the cross and shed his blood for sinful people like us. 
He came not to just grow up and be a good teacher to give us some good advice about being more patient and nice on the soccer field. He grew up and gave his life on a cross so that guys like me could be forgiven for what happened on the field. And so that you, whatever your story and whatever your baggage, whatever the darkness of your past, you could bring that to Jesus and you could hear him say, it's finished. You could worship here on this Christmas Eve and you could hear the angels say, there's good news and it brings great joy that there is a savior and he has been born for you. Not a teacher, not a rabbi, not not a guide, not a guru, a savior, one who can rescue you from the danger of your own crazy heart. His name is Jesus. And so you and I can come with all of our brokenness and believe that he will bless us. We can come with all of our craziness because we know he responds to our crazy with his mercy. Today, Jesus is inviting you and he's inviting me to come to him with all of it, to lay it at his feet and believe that he is the kind of savior that can handle it. He's Christ. And if you need a reminder of that, let me leave you with what happened to me just last week. I'm also excited to have people here to hear the good news of the birth of Jesus, the Savior who forgives us for all of our worst sinfulness. That I was texting, I was calling, I was emailing family, friends, soccer teammates, neighbors, trying to invite as many people as I could. And I wanted to invite my friend that I hadn't heard from in about nine months. Uh, I won't tell you his name because he, he struggled with some pretty, pretty heavy drugs. Because of his addiction, I like see him for a while and then I don't see him for a long while. And then he touches base and then he's off the grid. And when I opened up my phone to text him, I realized that I had, I texted him back in April, no response, and May, and no response, the summer, no response, the fall, no response. I was just staring at the, at the phone and I thought, well, why not try again? So I texted him, hey, it's Pastor Mike. Merry Christmas. And I meet my lunch out in the church lobby about 15 minutes later, and who calls back? My friend. I answer, hey, great to hear from you. But the voice that's speaking into my ear is not the voice of my friend. You the pastor that keeps texting me? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I think so. (laughs) It's like, yeah, I got this new phone and you keep texting me. Like, sorry about that, man. That was my friend's phone. I'm about to hang up and he says, wait, your pastor? Yeah? Where's your church? Appleton, Wisconsin? I live in Appleton. Pastor, you're not going to believe this, but I'm an addict and I couldn't sleep last night. I was so tempted to relapse. I was up at like two in the morning and I was praying, 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 begging God, help me, help me. God, I need something. Would you help me? And I wake up the next day and a pastor's texting me. Pastor, can you pray for me? He said. For sure. Pastor, I'm going to be gone for Christmas. When I'm back, can, can we get together? For sure. Pastor, I got like a whole bunch of family members and friends who need to hear about Jesus. Can I bring them too? No, you can't. Yes, I said, oh my goodness, yes. I'll buy coffee for all of them. You need to bring them. And I was thinking, what are the odds? What are the odds that when my friend can't pay his phone bill, the random Verizon employee gives the number to this guy? What are the odds that I pick up the phone on that random day to text him hours after he was praying, begging God for help with his addiction? What are the odds? The answer is they are very good. 
If you believe in a Jesus Christ that gets in the middle of the craziest moments, a good shepherd who walks to the valley of the shadow of death to find a lost sheep, the odds are actually great. My friends, it is no accident that you are here today. God wants you to know, no matter how crazy, how busy, how broken, how messy, how many questions, how many sins, how many doubts, how much shame, you show me the craziest story and I will show you who is right in the middle of it. His name is Jesus. So brothers and sisters, saints and sinners, you have a very merry, probably busy, undoubtedly crazy, Christ-centered Christmas. Let's pray. Ah, Jesus, thank you for your unfailing love. Thank you that this Christian faith is so different because it's not about us. It's about you. It's about you reaching out to sinners and shepherds and Mary and Joseph. It's about you working through relationships to connect us to the church, through doubts and pain and loss to connect us to your word. God, you use all of it for one great purpose, that we would know you and know the depth of your love. I worship you, Father, for everyone who is here today. Some people knew all of this already. Some people are hearing it for the first time, but it is really good news. Help us to see it, to realize it, and to come to you with with all of it. Thank you, Jesus, for your love. Um, I can't imagine being born in a manger, running from a murderous king, being misunderstood by family and friends, being slandered and accused, being tortured and abused, dying on a cross for the sins of the world. You knew all of it and yet you chose it for us. Thank you, Jesus, for loving sinners like me, like us. We're so grateful to you, Father, that you love the world so much you gave your one and only Son. And we worship you today, Holy Spirit, for giving us eyes to see that this is not just some story or fable to make us feel warm during the Christmas season. This is history, this is true, and this is really good news. We celebrate and worship you today, God. We thank you for your love. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. And all God's people who agreed, join their voices and they said, Amen. Do you find Jesus really interesting but kind of confusing? Maybe today you sense that God is working on your heart and giving you a new excitement about the things of the Christian faith, but you're not quite sure what to do next. If so, you're exactly the kind of person that I wrote this brand new book for called The Basics. Uh, it's not AP Bible. And it's not going to answer every question you have about Christianity, but it's going to get you back to the basics of why Jesus is worth following today and for the rest of your life. If you're interested, just go to timeofgrace.org to download your free copy. I've been sober for just over four months, and I can't tell you how ashamed I was of myself. But now, my shame is gone, and my fear of telling my story is gone too. Those are the words of our friend Larry. And maybe you can kind of relate to his story. Lots of us over the past year have had some pretty low spiritual lows and some really amazing spiritual highs. But by God's grace and through the prayers and support of people like you, we are seeing people move from that kind of guilt and shame to the incredible grace and truth that are only found in Jesus' name. You see, when you give, you help people like Larry move from where he was to where he could be by God's amazing grace. And our God isn't done just yet. Some incredible friends of Time of Grace have offered a really generous challenge grant to help people like Larry and people like you move closer than ever to Jesus. This $150,000 challenge grant makes your gift go twice as far this Christmas season. So thank you. Thank you for your gifts and for your prayers. They're impacting real lives and bringing the joy of the holiday season 
to more souls than you can imagine, just like Anna. I cannot begin to tell you what God has done for me through time of grace. God has carried me, taught me, and brought me closer to him. When you give to our $150,000 challenge grant by December 31st, you'll receive an inspiring set of resources, a 2023 Seek God wall calendar featuring a powerful Bible passage and encouraging thought from Pastor Mike each month, and the best of 2022 DVD. This set is our way of thanking you for your gift to help Time of Grace finish the year in the best possible position to help more people in 2023 find everything they need in Jesus. Request yours when you give by calling 800-661-3311, visit timeofgrace.org, or write us at P.O. Box 301, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 53201. Good will toward men. 